Should you date someone with different beliefs, whether that's religious or political? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people, thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, somebody who didn't come up with a third uh, adjective for himself this time. And with me, as always, is my delightfully disagreeable co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and uh, someone who believes strongly that you should come up with a third thing. And the fact that we're doing a podcast with such incredibly different beliefs is really a testament to uh, humankind's ability to connect, even in the midst of differences. So that's, that's my third thing. Wow, I should just put on you master of segues. That was very, very good. Uh, well, so anyway, yes. So, of course, today we are doing our episode on whether or not you should date someone with different beliefs, which is an episode we've had requested. Very excited to talk about it. But first, Nathan, if people enjoy our podcast and want to engage more with our content and meet fellow overthinkers like themselves, where can they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.world or they can find out more about their hosts and they can send all of their love and hate mail there. They can also go to the online private Facebook group called The Overthinkers, where they can connect with almost 20,000 of our own other overthinkers like themselves getting into great discussions and where we're posting tons of intellectual fun and educational memes for you to enjoy and discuss. Uh, you can also, if you do enjoy the podcast, leave us a review. It does really help us so very much. And make sure to share with a friend. Share the love. It's the it's the, the season of love. Share the love by sending your friends another podcast. That's right. Yeah, no, this is season of love. We have we, we have a lot of fun. These uh, February uh, month ones, the ones where we talk about love and relationships. It's always one that our fans really like and we really like doing them. So we're so glad to get to do that. And yes, get to one that we have had requested. So uh, ready to get started? Let's do it. Awesome. So. Marrying across religious faith lines has always been a controversial choice. People have tended historically to marry within their own communities where there's a lot of homogeneity in worldview and custom, including a particularly religious. And as the word started to become multicultural, this still was a cause of friction. Parents would often forbid their children from marrying across faiths. Many religions even have prohibitions against interfaith marriage. The Bible refers that to this as being unequally yoked, and this is often quoted a verse to argue why you shouldn't marry non-Christians within the Christian faith. But the number of interfaith marriages are growing. According to Pew Research, only 19% of Americans who wed before 1960 were in an interreligious marriage, but in 2010, 39% were. Yet what has become increasingly common with religion is becoming increasingly rare when it comes to politics. Interpolitical marriage rates are far lower than that of interfaith marriage. And according to Washington Post, a poll of college students found that 71% of Democrats and 31% of Republicans would not date someone with different political views. According to Desert.com, 63% of people would not date someone who disagreed with them on Donald Trump, while only 21% would refuse to date someone who had different beliefs about the existence of God. Not marrying across religion or politics makes sense, as one wants to share one's core values with their spouse. And as a society becomes more secular and more politically polarized, it makes sense that politics would be seen as more core to one's values than religion. However, according to Naomi Schaefer-Riley, author of the book Till Faith Do Us Part, herself part of an interfaith marriage, minimizing the difficulties of interfaith marriage is a mistake because faith runs very deep and often sneaks up on people how much they care about it. On the flip side, others argue that beggars really can't be choosers. With the country becoming more fractured religiously and men and women uh, particularly becoming more split politically, it will become almost impossible for most people to find someone to marry who aligns with all of their core values. And while people who marry across different beliefs tend to have lower marital satisfaction than those who do not, they still have, on average, higher life satisfaction than people who choose never to marry. So, Nathan, do you think it's a wise or unwise decision to marry across core belief systems, let's say, whether they be religious, political, or otherwise? What things should people make as deal breakers in that way? And what should they think about when making that decision? Uh, I'm glad you said the word core because, because you know, I've heard this debate before between a lot of different people. And it's like, should you marry or date someone who believes differently than you? And um, 
let me tell you, me and uh, my special lady, we believe tons of different things, right? We we like different movies. Um, I really think that jean shorts are cool and comfortable and stylish. She does not. She does not believe that jean shorts are a worthy and respectable thing for a person to wear. Um, so, you know, we have different beliefs on things, but what you specified was really the important thing, the core, the core beliefs. And, and when we're speaking about core beliefs, what we're really talking about are the definitive values that define your trajectory, your understanding of the world, and what you believe to be right and wrong. Um, it's how you see the universe and people around you. It, it's the, the worldview perspective that you have. And in past years, as you can see reflected in these studies, um, largely uh, the way you saw the world, your perspective, your worldview was determined by your religion and your, your customary culture or, or your, your ethnic culture, right? And so, um, and, and religion and ethnic culture were very closely tied. Um, but we live in an increasingly, particularly here in the West, increasingly modern world where those things with, here it is, post-modernity have become more fractured and less tied together. Um, so now what you have is a lot of uh, religion kind of taking the back seat when it comes to being a definitive factor of who someone is and how they view the world. And what has taken its place is, and I, and I don't think this is a, a, a hugely controversial thing to, to mention, I think people from both the right and the left and the up and the down would probably agree with me. But one of the most defining factors, again, reflected in the studies that you brought up, are political um, ideologies. And I think that today, the modern understand, I, I would argue that the modern religion, what has replaced religion has become your, uh, your political um, affiliation and identity. But no matter what it is, whether it's political, whether it's religious, these things have huge power to not only, you know, kind of inform us about who we should vote for, or, you know, is, you know, or how, what's right or wrong, but even more than that, it tells us who we are. <clears throat> And so as we interact with the world, we're going to be looking for something that gives us a grid and understanding and a definition to the reality we exist in. Religion used to do it uh, more. It still does for a few people like Joseph and I. Um, but politics are really the main way that many people are finding nowadays. Now, so when you have these beliefs, uh, as you mentioned, again, the word core means it's not just something that's tertiary that you can kind of take or leave. This is something that you believe at the very bottom of your heart and guides every decision. It guides what your loves, it guides your morality, what you do, the jobs you take, um, the jobs you don't take, the, the, the people you interact with, how you interact with people. It, it guides everything. It is the, the core kind of motivating, defining feature about who you are. So when we talk about, should you date someone who has different quote core beliefs in you, be those political or be those religious um, the core is a really important thing here to start looking at because, you know, th there's a lot of um, things that we mistake for core uh, that I, un unfortunately, and I, and I think, you know, that those, um, as we can see in, in very sad um, uh, ways in, in uh, throughout history, those things have been racial uh, things that really have nothing to do with the core of the person. That's just a physical reality of how someone was born. Uh, even ethnic, you know, yeah, we have different customs, you have different behaviors, but again, that doesn't necessarily mean the core of them is different. Um, even geographical, you know, that there's, you know, you hear these stories about the Hatfields and McCoys, like, um, I can't date a person who grew up on the west side of town because I grew up on the east side of town. And that is mistaking the core of who someone is with a geographical location. And, and I think it's natural to kind of understand yourself within a tribe and to try to draw boundaries on who you are and who, who they are and who you're not. That's normal. But I think what we really need to look at here, particularly when it comes to romance and dating, getting to even marriage and a long-term relationship, is when you interact with someone, what you're really exploring is none of these tertiary top-down things of what do they look like or, you know, what kind of music did they grow up listening to or what side of town did they grow up on? Rather, what you're looking to connect are, do we have the same values? Do we believe the same things about humanity? Do we believe the th same things about the world? Um, you know, <clears throat> things like if you believe the world was created by a loving creator and there's inherent purpose and morality in the world, um, is going to be a really hard thing to mesh with someone who doesn't believe there's inherent purpose, who's a nihilist, who doesn't believe there's a loving God, and there is no purpose in the universe. 
Now, the problem is a lot of people now, and, and this is, again, there's a, there's, this is a really multifaceted issue, but we moved away from, and you, and you can read this in a lot of different studies and, and sociological kind of historical understandings, a lot of different cultures around the world in the past 200, 300 years, is we moved, well, actually past thousands of years, we moved away from the, the arranged marriage, right? Um, and so what happened when you did that, and, and within, within an arranged marriage, you kind of had this almost guaranteed um, uh, uh, understanding that you're going to share the same core values, right? Uh, they almost, almost across the board, if you were in a arranged marriage, it was arranged by people who knew that you believe the same thing, have the same customs, live in the same place. So you were already, it was already just set up that you were going to meet this person. And, and I'm not, I'm not advocating for going back to arranged marriages. I'm just saying there was the benefit in those where you knew exactly and that those kind of like, well, of course you already have those in common, right? Um, and so you you entered a relationship with those already set. Um, today, we marry uh, and date very differently than we have through almost all of human history. Uh, today, we date and we marry based off of, I mean, if I really want to dilute it, it's really attraction, right? It's physical attraction. And physical attraction is great. Um, I think my wife is super pretty. I think I'm super pretty. I think Joseph is... A good podcast. Careful. Yeah. <laughs> but but ultimately Thank you. you're welcome. But ultimately, my wife being super pretty and me being super pretty, it doesn't actually tell us much about what the core belief um, that guides everyday actions and interactions are. And you know, we kind of have this idea that we can kind of figure out more or less through the dating process. But if you talk to anyone who's engaged in the in the world of online dating and uh, and just modern uh, relationships as a whole, most conversations revolve around: Do you like Taylor Swift, or you know, what kind of food do you eat on the weekends, or do you, I don't know, uh, you know, do you wear this brand or that brand? And again, I don't think it's a wonderful way to really understand the core motivations of people. And so I think what happens is people be like, hey, we like the same kind of music. We both like pizza and uh, so we should date. And so they get in these relationships um, uh, and they're pretty, right? And so we get in relationships primarily based off of physical attraction. And then you spend, let's say, a year in that. And then all of a sudden, because we're not trained on how to go deeper, how to look for those core common values, and we can't expect them to just be the same as ours because we, we live in a different kind of society than really we've ever seen the past thousands of years of human history. Um, you, you get to the end of a year and you start, you start kind of scratching beneath. And you go, wait, you believe this about the world? Uh, wait, this is how you view morality? And all of a sudden you find that that those pizza and liking Taylor Swift or whoever, um, <laughs> whomever your your music is, all of a sudden you find that those were actually the important things and that your core values are now coming into conflict. And so the way around this that people are finding now is to sit down and make sure, you know, give little signals and bids of what political um, stance you have. But I even find that to be... Um, <clears throat> I find that to be a poorer way of understanding someone's core values. And so it might give you a little better insight into their motivation and, the, and their core understanding um, uh, of who they are and why they act a certain way. But the thing about religious is it asks questions that's below social. Um, do I like a big economy or a small economy? Do I like a government to have more social programs or less social programs? Those still don't really get to the heart of what a person's real values and beliefs and motivations about the world are. So that didn't answer any of the question, but I'm just kind of setting the stage for why this question is being asked particularly more now um, and why I think people probably are having some trouble with this because I think the barometer to try to figure out each other's, um, if you should be with someone and to base that off of something is kind of miscalculated because we got rid of religion. Um, and I think that if you base it off of, uh, physical attraction that's not super good and won't really last if you base it off of okay we have some things in common we both like the same music that's going to be that's going to disappear pretty quickly and i even think the political spectrum is a poor um indicator of someone's actual core values and i have more to say on that you know i, I think that someone can be from the right or the left and care about uh feeding the poor i think uh so i don't think that those things are necessarily indicative of someone's core values and so that is why I think this is a, a troublesome place. And that's what we're going to try to answer today. I didn't answer the question yet. I will. But Joe, I'm going to let you jump in. And, and before we even jump in, I'd like to hear why you think this is even a question that people are asking more. 
Yeah, no, I think that you've hit on a lot of really cool things that I want to expand upon and 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 add on to. Um, because what I'm thinking about is what are who are the people who are asking this question? A lot of times it's people who like someone who is of different, you know, religious or political beliefs. And they're thinking, oh, I, I really like this person. Maybe, you know, I just have a crush on them. Or maybe we actually, you know, hang out. We kind of are dating. And they're thinking like, well, is there a future here? You know, there's a there's a, a joke. Uh, a lot of people don't know that uh, Charles M. Schultz, who uh, wrote and uh, drew the Peanuts cartoons, uh, he also had a, a, a series of strips that he did about, you know, adults and, and young adults. And one of them uh, had a son talking to his mom saying, so there's this girl I really like, and she says amen, and I say amen. Do you think that we have a future together? And of course, the joke was, again, you know, okay, maybe some of these differences are somewhat trivial. But in a sense, they're not. Because again, these different, you know, belief traditions, like within Christianity, you know, can say things like, you know, a person who says more amen, or, you know, might trust more, you know, in somebody's ability to hear from God prophecy. And... If you don't really have a belief in that, you are going to have a lot of arguments down the road about whether or not you should base future decisions on what somebody, some preacher said that he's claiming to be a prophet. So that's what I'm asking, you know, okay, why, why does this matter? If somebody is of a different religion than I am or some reason politics than I am, should this matter? And the reason is your core beliefs, whatever your core beliefs are, are going to matter for your future. Um, the reason, of course, that people are asking that question today when they weren't before is to your, you know, uh, your, 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 what you alluded to, which is that you really didn't have to ask that question before because you knew like 20 people in your whole life for the most part. And they all pretty much lived in the same community. Everyone pretty much had the same core values. And so, you know, you could kind of say, okay, if I like this person, if we get along, we're probably going to have a similar or personally if your, your parents arranged it you're probably going to say, okay, we have enough core values and assumptions to make this work. But in the modern day, which is multicultural and postmodern, you know, one there's an article based on a book that's called The Origin of Dating, which said that just the move towards cities was such a huge thing in changing how we dated because suddenly you were dating people who were comparatively strangers. You were meeting people that you knew for two weeks rather than your whole life. And so dating, that is when dating became much more based on looks and charm. It's sort of a charm became a word that was used a lot more because it was like, okay, a person was charismatic. Therefore, they were able to pre present and project. And there's a lot that when you're dating and you're getting someone to know someone on a, you know, a lot of dates are set up. It's like, okay, let's have fun together. Let's enjoy each other's company. And so you can spend a lot of time with somebody finding out that you really enjoy their company. You have a lot of fun together without ever making living in such a way that you're making decisions that are going to affect you for years to come. And so that's why we can, A, you know, have this problem we have been having now that we weren't having before, and B, how the modern dating life can deceive us into thinking that we actually get along in a more stable way than we, than, than we actually will long-term. Now, the reason, of course, again, this can be a problem is because of things that come up in actual living of life together. Because again, if you're saying, I want to have a long-term relationship with somebody, or I want to get married to somebody, what you're saying is one, I want somebody to share my core self with. And so one, that's one. And two is I want somebody that I can make long-term plans together as a partner going down the same path. And of course, you know, any organization knows that in order to survive, it has to, and be, and do what it does well. Everyone has to be on board with the same mission. And the thing is, you know, a huge part of life satisfaction, according to John Gottman, Gottman Institute, what I found is that the biggest predictors for a successful relationship is when a person wants to share something that they love with you, do you respond enthusiastically? And if somebody wants to share something that they're angry about, do you respond with a shared anger? You know, so, and that means... You know, again, if you, that's where you get into kind of religion or politics. Again, if you are somebody who's religious and you get excited about God, could you really have a, a, a deeply um, satisfied marriage with somebody who is meh when you share that with them? And 
Same with politics. Again, if you get really exercised about abortion in one way or another, could you really feel known and loved by somebody who doesn't get exercised about that in the same way, at least to some degree, can't empathize with them, or you are of difficulty empathizing in that way with them? Then, of course, on the decision-making process, like as, you know, if you say having kids is important, that's a core value of mine. And the other person says having kids is not important. That's not a core value of mine. That's going to be real decisions based on, you know, now, you know, again, for me, like as a Christian, one of the things about me is that a final arbiter of what is right and wrong is what Jesus has said. Jesus is Lord. If Jesus says it, now we can disagree on how we interpret what Jesus is saying. But if we both agree this is what Jesus said, that's what has to go. It's really hard to imagine being married to somebody who didn't share that same base assumption because that's a kind of like a, a a decision point for me. So those are the kind of things. Now, it is true that that used to be religion used to have that place for more people where it's like, okay, this final, you know, the core thing we have in common is religion. But for now, again, like, you know, and I say this not to get like partisan or political or anything, but just because this is what the data is showing is that women are becoming much more, you know, um, women are becoming much more fixed in terms of I'm not going to date someone of a different political view and they're becoming more feminist and they're saying, I'm not going to date someone who's not a feminist. And the reason of course for that is understandable, which is that, okay, I want to be with somebody who respects me as a woman and who allows me certain freedoms that I want to have. And I don't see somebody who's not a feminist and not doesn't vote Democrat or whatever as being able to do that. I think that there's more of my life that I'm going to have to give up or that associate with my shared values is based on more on politics than it does on religion. Now, Statistically speaking, that's not quite true. The rates of like men being bad husbands and good husbands don't really align politically. It aligns with whether or not he cares about taking, you know, caring for her, you know, which is a, a different spectrum, doesn't fall under partisan lines. But that's the thing is what I use that as an example of people are recognizing that the more things that are true to the core of wh- who I am and the core of the decisions I'm going to make in the future are really super important. Now, the question is, understanding for yourself, what are your core values? And then, so you know, okay, what am I able to bend on and what things I'm not? And then ask yourself, are my core values really what they should be? Because again, you know, when you have a Christian ask this question, and one of the issues that often comes up is that, well, I want to be able to say I'm a Christian, but my core values may not actually align with my faith. They may be about other things. And so then that's a question you have to wrestle with in that regard. So those would be, I think, the reasons that I think that this is such a big issue people are thinking about and talking about today. Some of the reasons that I think it really is important to look at your religion and your politics and because those often represent what your core values, but the issue really is core values. Um, so Nathan, what would you say is sort of the next step? If people say, okay, I can understand the importance of this. I understand why this question is difficult, but I understand why this question is important. But what should they start thinking about as they're saying, you know, okay, who should I be looking for? Or should I be dating this person or not? Yeah, that <clears throat> this is good. And, you know, I'm going to do something that I don't usually do. I'm going to come right out and say, um, the answer, so <clears throat> and, uh, particularly with the context that we've we've drawn around this issue already, which is, I do not think it a, an ultimately beneficial or at least um, uh, easy is the wrong word, but I don't think it's a fantastic idea to engage with someone long term who doesn't share your core values. Um, I, 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 I'll just I'll say that because I think there is like like you mentioned. These core values are going to decide the trajectory of your life. And if you're trying to travel with the same trajectory in the same direction with someone whose core values will inherently pull them in a different direction, I think ultimately, just practically, this isn't a great idea. That being said, I do think it's really important, like you said, Joseph, to identify what your core values actually are and to not get caught up in the tertiary skin deep stuff that you think are your core values or at least indicative of someone's core values. And that's what I see happening a lot. And I, and I wonder if that's really the question being asked. I think that most people would say, 
you know, I, um, is it a bad idea to date someone who thinks that murder is fine? Well, yeah, I think most people will be like, no, you probably shouldn't date. Or, you know, I, should I date someone who thinks um, that, I, I don't know, uh, that you it shouldn't work for anything and it's okay to, to steal everything? Is that a good idea? I think most people would say no. But what they're really asking isn't should I should I date someone with core values? I think we kind of already uh, all of us agree with that. Yeah, we should really date or be with someone who shares our core values. What they're really asking is should I date with someone who um, who gives advertisements of something that I have learned to identify as a core value metaphor. Um, uh, you know, let's say you know that there's a whole thing. It's like I, I see this on on TikTok and Twitter a lot. And it's this kind of shorthand. I do understand it. We need it in the dating world. We need shorthand. We need um, signals. And, and we do that. But sometimes signals can be misread. But what I mean by signals is let's say you're on a date with someone and um, they say, I really like the band. I don't know why I'm just forgetting bands. Um, I like the band U2. Now, what they might be saying is, I think they have great musicality. I love the lyrics of it. It's just really great to listen to the car. I enjoy the the tunes. And what you might hear is, well, you too is associated with this kind of particular political belief, or which means, which also means that he is in support of this kind of value belief about humanity or X, Y, Z. And so what happens is this breakdown in signals. He wasn't trying to signal anything other than he likes good music and good musicality. And what you picked up was a misnomer of a signal um, that it meant something totally different. And so what I mean by this is I think we need to start getting rid of, can I date someone who likes you too? Yeah. As long as you understand that him liking you too doesn't have anything to do with his core values. So what, what I like, what I encourage people to do is start investigating, not the metaphor or the signals that people put up, but actually investigate their core values. My, my wife and I, we, we would look like when we, when we first started dating, we believed totally different things based on all the signals we get. We liked different things, uh, it, things that a lot of people think are metaphorical for core values. But what we found was when we dug deep enough, we actually cared about the same things. We actually loved the same things. And all those metaphorical signals based on just coming from different worlds and having grown up differently and having different tastes and different things weren't actually indicative of how good we would have been as a couple. And it took actually us talking for hours and discovering and being intentional about what do you actually value in life? What do you believe about the world? That is where we found, oh, this is the connection we need to make. And so we like different t TV shows or music, whatever. That's fine. And and um, but but deep down, we actually care about and love the same things. And here's another amazing thing that happened because we actually went to the the basis of what we really believed in about the world, ourselves, people, um, that the most important core things, rather than using these metaphorical ideas and advertisements of these things to base whether or not we should be together off of. We actually and, and there's plenty of studies to back this up. Um, the more time we spend together, the actually, the more all that stuff started merging. We actually do love the same movies now. We actually do love this thing. She, her her stuff rubbed off on me and my stuff on her. And we actually do start love. But that only happened because we have that core um, of the same beliefs and values and views of the world that that were underneath all of that to begin with. So I think really what the exercise here is, is to learn how to, the, the art, I would say, and this can happen within dating, but it needs to happen over a longer period of time, which I encourage, which is why I encourage don't just meet someone and get married because you like the same band. Um, and that indicates to you that you have the same beliefs. No, really get to know them and learn those questions. Learn how to take the time, learn how to intentionally discover, do you actually believe the same things about the world? Don't look at the tertiary stuff. I mean, that is fine. You, you can enjoy the same movies. I'm not saying that's anything wrong, but don't take those too seriously. Learn how to go beneath that and see what a person really believes and, and about the world, about themselves, about God, et cetera. Um, and that's really going to be the place where you understand if this is someone to be with or not, uh, not because you come from a different culture or look different or like a different kind of food. Those things are all tertiary. Go to the core. Yeah. No, I think that that's, those are really... That's really good. I mean, the one one funny example. There's a couple articles about this where that recently where there is a whole rash of you know uh, uh, girls who were breaking up with their boyfriends because their boyfriend didn't like the Barbie movie. That was a whole fun you know fun fun news story that got you know a lot of chuckles and a lot of clicks. And the reason, of course, what what the like psychologists they interviewed afterwards, 
asked. It's like, the thing is, the res- proper response to a guy not liking the Barbie movie shouldn't be break up with them. It should be ask him why he didn't like the Barbie movie. Like, does he not like the Barbie movie because he doesn't actually share your core values or respect your experience as a woman or empathize with it? Or does he not like it because of something else? Because of, you know, he doesn't like that style of writing or whatever, or those kind of things. And so, you know, that's what I kind of advise on this is in what you should be doing is practicing this in your life, both internally and externally, is asking why. Tell me why. So, you know, you say this matters to me for my core values. Okay, why does that matter to you? So why does that matter to you? And what is your core value that you represent that that you really is a deal breaker for you that you would need to have because that's who you are. That's what makes you laugh. That what brings your heart joy and that what makes you angry. Find out those things because those things are going to be your whole life that you're going to be sharing with someone. And then what's your mission? What is it that you're going to be, you're calling on your life? Because that's what you're going to be sharing with someone at your core. Figure out those things about yourself. And then when you encounter somebody who, you know, you have an interest in, in some way and you find things that you have differences about, ask them why. And because those are things I think that, you know, again, we live in a postmodern world. You can take your second drink today because we said postmodernism twice. But because we have a postmodern world, those signals are necessary. Those sort of filtering mechanisms, those red flags or yellow flags of like, okay, this person is signaling that they're this kind of person. Those are necessary. But instead of using those as filtering mechanisms to say this person is out, what we should instead do is use them as a mechanism to ask why and say, okay, do you have different politics than I do? Why? You know, do you believe this? Is it because you actually don't care about the poor or, or is it because you think have a different idea of what is actually going to help the poor? You'll find out again, maybe the person will, you'll find that they are apathetic. They are unempathetic, but maybe they're, but maybe they're not again. It's, or maybe it's an issue of something else. Maybe it's an issue of means, but you don't know that until you actually ask that question. And that I think is the sort of lesson for today is that it, you do have to marry somebody who shares your ultimate core values. But most of us, we talked about this in the, our, um, uh, it was a be yourself episode. Most people don't actually know what their core values are. And then the other thing is when they encounter other people, they're using, like you said, really well, these very shallow markers that are necessary sort of in a society where basically everybody is a stranger, but they are deceptive and effective in actually finding out what a person's core values are. So be better at investigating what your core values are and then be better at investigating. Once you go through like, ah, I'm, I'm attracted to this person. I'm interested in this person. Maybe, you know, be better at actually investigating what their core values are beyond those things. And to the one thing I would add also though, is be better at committing yourself to your values early because what I see a lot of people like, you know, again, a lot of our audience is Christian. We're Christians. And so I was speaking sort of from a Christian perspective here, but what I find is a lot of Christians who, want to have, you know, have it both ways. They want to say, yes, my Christianity is my most important thing to me, but I also want to see if I can make something work that's not, you know, consistent with my core values because I I want to have my cake and eat it too. And I want to be able to keep my Christianity and keep these other things that, you know, might get in the way of it. And the thing is, that's where you get into that author I was talking about at the beginning where she's like, these things sneak up on you. You're not taking it seriously enough. And, you know, uh, the late Dr. Tim Keller, he talked about how the fact is in a marriage, if you have, if you're, you know, if you're, your relationship with God and relationship with your spouse, if they're at odds, one of those is going to be in the city of your life. And one of those is going to be in the suburbs of your life. You're going to be pushing, you know, your spouse. If you're keep your relationship with God in the city of your life, you're going to be pushing your spouse to the suburbs and vice versa. And so know that that's Take it seriously enough that you know that that decision is going to be made. And if you say you're a Christian, you should make that the ultimate core value of your life and not try to make it tertiary. But once you've made that commitment and decision, then determining your core values and determining uh, how you'd investigate other people is the way to go. That's where I put it. So Nathan, wrap up. What else that we have maybe we missed? Yeah, yeah. This this is good. You know, it's, you know, we'll talk about it from another perspective. You know, let's say you're an atheist, right? Um, it's going to be really hard to be with someone every day who believes in something you think is utterly stupid, right? That's going to be hard for them. That's going to be hard for you. Um, this is not some like, uh, 
you know, uh, religious, uh, puritanical. You can only date. This is for this is a, pr- a practical benefit to find someone who um, who shares your same view. And again, we say core law, the core understanding values and direction. Joseph, you mentioned mission. That you that one of the most binding things in a relationship is is having a shared mission, a shared direction, a shared purpose in the world. And if you're with someone who with whom you cannot share that, it's going to be really, really difficult, no matter what you believe. Now, I do think it's interesting, just on the lighter side, um, I think in a postmodern world um, where we don't have arranged marriages, where we have different beliefs, and like you said, we live in a culture where everyone's a stranger, we have started to try to badly come up with these, like... Uh, <clears throat> devices to inform us on people you know with the whole idea of red flags and yellow flags and green flags and all of these things are based off of like things that he did he buy his shirt at like this store or that store and it's like if he bought it at that store that's a red flag and I, it's really funny and you used to go really is it a red flag or did they have a sale or did he get it at Kohl's secondhand or you know whatever uh and but i think it's really interesting that we're trying you and you see the attempt from a lot of culture right now to create these devices of and in, in, to um, inform ourselves about who would be worthy and have those values. And so we use those markers. But I, it, what's interesting to me is um, because I'm married, I, I am on guy TikTok and, but I also get a peek into girl TikTok and what's really to see how different people um, uh, particularly men and women approach this guys are Guys do this thing where they kind of ignore all the markers and just go for, is she cute? And if she's cute, I'll I'll date her. doesn't matter what she believes, you know, whatever. That's the only marker I really need to know that she's a person I should be with. Is she attractive, right? And then um, what's interesting on girl TikTok, it's like the far opposite end of the spectrum where they have all these like things and, and there's constant trends. Like every week there's a new trend of what I call like, wives testing or girlfriends testing or, or women testing men to see if they are um if they're someone they should be with or not and, and which is not a bad thing necessarily but again like joseph said these markers can deceive you and they can actually be more confusing and and the the device can break down when you put too much faith in these kind of tertiary um facade based things and like right now the one that's so popular across tiktok is called the orange theory and um explain what this is to me so the orange theory i mean it's just gotten so ridiculous is where if you've been dating someone for a while and you want to know if you should marry them ask them for an orange and so if they go get you an orange and then peel it for you then they are a person you should marry. If they do not, you should break up with them. This is not like a funny little joke thing. I'm sure it is for some people. People in the comments, women will tell these other women, break up with him. He's not the one because he didn't. Uh, and, you know, he'd be like in a rush to a job. So he's like, I don't have time to get you an orange. Or here's your orange. I, I can't peel it for you. Or But if he didn't peel it. And, you know, one of them was, I, this, I cannot believe that. I can't remember what it's called. It's something, something, the something test. I think the catch-up test. You are supposed to, in front of your spouse or potential potential spouse, get a bottle of ketchup and squirt it on the countertop and then say, clean that up. And depending on if they clean it up and how they clean it up, that will be indicative of if you should marry them or not. I am not kidding. This is a real thing. People take this seriously. There are women who are in the comments saying you should divorce this man because he didn't clean this the right way or use soap or whatever it might be. So on one side of the spectrum, you have guys like, is she cute? On the other side of the spectrum, he didn't clean the ketchup perfectly. I can't, I can't stay married to him. And so both of these, I think, are a bad determining factor of who you'll be happy with long term. And so, again, what we keep on coming back to is like Joseph said, this is a two-step process. Figure out what you actually believe was actually important, what your core values are. And we're not going to tell you what those core values should be. We will do that in other episodes. Um, but today, figure out what your core values are. Once you figure those out, um, don't ignore them because this person is cute. And don't um, take stupid little tests and red flag, green flag, yellow flags as indicative of what their core values are. Take the time to investigate and discover what those are. And hopefully, you will end up with someone um who, with whom you share those things, if you learn this art of knowing your, your core values and learning how to discover the core values of others. The end.
You know, and, and just just to prove that point, you know, Nathan told me that he wouldn't still love me if I was a worm, and we still have. Yes, um, yes, <laughs> we still have a great relationship. This is a real thing, by the way. It's another one. I'm sure most of you already know this, but there was literally a test, another one of the the tests on on um on women talk, or the girl talk. I can't remember what it's called, but where you need to ask your the person you're dating, would they still love you if you were a worm? If they say yes, marry them. If they say no divorce or break up with them yeah. <laughs> and you know um, we, we proved that wrong we're still we're still together and we really have... <laughs> did ask me if i would still love her as a worm and i said i would and i keep her in a little jar by my bed um and that so there i, I passed it that's why you're still together there you go <laughs> yes because that was entirely indicative of my core values <laughs> exactly exactly uh well i hope that this has been helpful for all of you i hope you got some wisdom here if there are other aspects other nuances of this that you feel like we didn't cover or things that you might want to or you know hey you want to give us a dear abby letter and say hey you know this is where i'm at and this is what this other person that is you know is this indicative of core values or not We'll read it and we'll like give you our take, our our unprofessional take. But uh, yeah, no, we we love to hear your thoughts on this or your other questions. And now, of course, we move on to our blessings and curses segment of the week, where we take a work of art, media, or resource on this topic and recommend it, i.e., bless it or diss it, i.e., curse it. So, Nathan, uh, what are your blessings and curses for today? All right, I'm going to bless. Like, I don't know how much these necessarily have to do with our topic, but I think there's something lively in there that will be of interest, particularly this topic. Um, I just finished rewatching a show that I had watched years ago that I really, really liked um, called Master of None. Master of None um, is made by Aziz Ansari, who um, was a, a first generation um, uh, from immigrant parents who came over. And so he, but he's living in a modern world that's different from the one his parents grew up in. And so he really explores these issues of being a young man living in New York, trying to figure out how much of um, what I believe and who I am is, uh, comes from my parents. How much do I want to be? How much do I want to take? How much do I want to leave? And then enter dating. And what does that look like in a dating relationship? And so it's really kind of him discovering his core values um, and trying to put those together while in the process of trying to find a significant other. And aside from that, it's just really funny. Like it, it's surprisingly, um, and we, we, you know that going in, you know, it's going to be funny and cute and pithy. Um, but, uh, but along with the funniness and comedy, it's surprisingly deep and very kind of touching at moments. And so uh, this is not one for the kids, um, but it is, um, it is, I really enjoy the show and I think there's some really beautiful moments to it. And it's a very uh, insightful um, observations that the show makes about modern love and culture and family um, that I think uh, it might be a worthwhile watch for you. So that that's my bless. I'm going to bless Master of None. He also wrote a book. I haven't read. I've read uh, small parts of it. And the small parts I did read was really interesting, but it's called Modern Dating. And so this is something he's interested in and has studied for a long time. And, and it's actually been hailed as like one of the best books on the subject. Who would have guessed from a from a comedian? Um, I would have because comedians are the best um, and the smartest and the greatest. Uh, I love comedians and I and I am always impressed with their observations on the world because that's what they do. But this book, um, uh, from what I've read, I really did enjoy. So I'm not going to give the full bless because I've read all of it. Um, but it might be something that you want to check out in conjunction with the show Master of None that he also made. Um, I'm going to curse. <laughs> I'm going big today. I'm going to swing for the for the fences. Um, there, there's. I'm not going to do the work to figure out how this episode connects with my curse. I was just. I've been looking for an excuse to curse this for a long time because I just want fights. I want to. I don't. I, my world has been too peaceful, and I want to make people angry. Um, not not just in this uh, this particular culture moment, but uh, for you know a long time. Uh, I'm going to curse Romeo and Juliet. Boy, what a terrible story! Boy, just listen. I like Shakespeare; he's great. But man, why is this so famous? It is it is the worst. Romeo and Juliet. It just blows, man. Um, it is. <laughs> I just hate it so much, and I don't know why it keeps on getting remade. I don't know why it's become such a cultural thing. Like, it's like the most romantic. It is not romantic in the least. It is weird. It is gross. And also, you know, for stories to matter, it needs to feel like whatever sacrifices or difficulty the characters are facing were um, were were required of them. Everything these characters go through just all was was stupid and could have been easily avoided um, with just some basic logic. 
And so it is just a maddening story that I think is just so dumb. And if you like it, you're a bad person. Okay, I'm, I'm stopping there. <laughs> um, no, I'll say, go ahead. No, 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 I, I'm kidding. You're not a bad person. Um, but please feel free to tell me why I'm wrong. I'm not. It, that story, I, I dislike Romeo and Juliet. I will go to the grave known as the guy, the only person in the world who doesn't like it. Um, but yeah, so that's my curse. The, the classic Shakespeare play hailed by critics in one of the most uh, 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 titular and, and monumental works of art in, in the Western canon. And I'm going to curse it. You know, it, it's funny. I, I, it's like, I love Christopher Nolan, but I can admit that Tenet is not good. And yeah. you know, we should be able to say Shakespeare is one of the greatest writers of all time. Yes. And say not, and not everything he did was a masterpiece. Um, but I will say this, the other thing, I will say this again, I am a little bit, you know, uh, nervous to say like something, not only a Shakespeare work, but one that has been beloved by people who are much smarter than I am for a long time is, is a, to curse that. But I always say one thing that I never understood about that story is I can understand a tragedy that is based around the character's flaws. Like if you're telling a story that's like, like that some people are saying that Shakespeare was intentionally showing people who were doing love wrong. It's like, okay, fine. The tragedy should still feel inevitable based on their flaws. And yet, like you said, it doesn't even feel inevitable based on their flaws. It feels like the tragedy comes from just sort of weirdly idiotic coincidences that happen. Yes. And so it doesn't even work as like a cautionary tale around um, the tragic flaws of the characters involved as, as, you know, so that's in the way that like, let's say a Macbeth does, or even West Side Story kind of does. That feels like, oh, it's inevitable based on the broken world they live in, you know? So it's, so if somebody can explain to us why we're wrong and why Romeo and Juliet is, is actually a masterpiece, let us know. But um, I, I, yeah, you're I'm, exactly right. Because like the really the only lesson to take from that isn't like get over your flaws or or the the lesson isn't you know love is painful it hurts but it's worth it or you know you need to fight for love even in, because you come from different places and cultures no the 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 only lesson I can derive from this is don't be an idiot and it's like <laughs> I already know that one all right I don't even know <laughs> play so but what really makes me angry is I do love Shakespeare actually I think he was the greatest writer ever why is this one his most famous work so. Again, cursed. Joseph, what are your blessings and curses? Yes. So uh, I'm going to bless two movies that deal with this topic of sort of interfaith uh, romance and different interbelief romance, cultural, and uh, the core values. Um, ones we've blessed before, but they fit really well, so I have to do them. A Big Sick and Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Um, mm. The Big Sick deals with, it's similar to Aziz Ansari, uh, a man from Pakistan who is now in you know the West, and he dates a, a Western girl and and... You know, his parents are not super happy with it, and he's doing all figuring out the 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 balance between those. And of course, you have Are You There, Guys Me, Margaret, which is about a girl whose parents are one of the Jewish, one's Christian, and they married, and that caused a lot of drama with their family. But um, she was raised without a faith, but now she's trying to explore faith herself and where she wants. And what I think is interesting about both of those, but particularly Are You There, Guys Me, Margaret, is that the reason that these couples who are sort of interfaith or intercultural work is because their faiths are not actually their core values. So this is easily, you can talk about this as Ari, their goddess be Margaret. You know, if they raised their child without a faith, you know, their, you know, Christianity wasn't the mom's core value, part of the mom's core values. And, you know, his Jewishness wasn't part of the dad's core values. There were some other kind of, you know, core values of what it meant to lead a good life underneath that they shared together, which is why they could essentially live secular lives, raising their child that way um, through that process and make that marriage work. So I think that's and what's interesting, what partly starts some of the conflict in Are You There, Margaret, is the child actually wants to make faith a core value for herself. And that starts to kind of freak the parents out because she's kind of like, okay, like, which do I choose? Do I explore that? And she wants to take it seriously that way. So that's, I think that movie, you know, Big Sick in one way, but Arthur Gardens Me, Margaret, I think really you can understand it as um, this part of this process of how core is religion to you, actually, uh, and exploring how that works or doesn't work. Um, the In terms of uh, cursing, uh, I'm going to curse. I may have to curse this before. 
Uh, but I'm going to curse it again because it works really well, which is the uh, Surprise by Oxford movie. Uh, I haven't... <laughs> I haven't read the book. I assume the book is really good because it's it's just, you know, a memoir by someone and what they actually went through in life. It's about a woman who grew up really, you know, atheist. And then she went to Oxford to kind of study and uh, atheist overachiever. And she discovered that there was more beauty to life than just achievement and that God was beautiful and real. And she also grew up, you know, having very strained relationship with men because she had a really horrible father and then being able to then find love in that way. So a lot of the things that she was kind of didn't have in her life and didn't feel like she could have, she found that's a beautiful story. The movie takes the romance out of the romance. It's not very romantic and it tries to do Christian apologetics, but it does it less mere Christianity and more God's not dead. So it's just a lot of straw men that you get to wag your finger at for a while. And so, yeah, it's really badly done in all the things that it's trying to do, which is sad because I like what it, you know, kind of trying to do. I like the story that they're trying to adapt, but, you know, they, and in there, they kind of have this like interface or romance with the, you know, the atheist girl, the Christian guy kind of trying to work out their differences. And since this is a true story, I would have liked to see, hey, what's it look like to actually work out those differences within a relationship? And uh, so it's a very big missed opportunity, which is why I'm cursing it. But yeah, that's, that's uh, what we got today. We didn't even touch on today, which is really funny um, how, you know, there's a third option here, which is, all right, you either be with someone who has your core values, try to be with someone who doesn't have your core values, or try to make someone have your core values. Guys, this is a winning strategy. All right. So if you find someone you think is really cute, I just want you to hear this from me. You can change them. Just really, really go at it hard um, and uh, you can do it. So if you find someone cute enough to do that, who you think is pretty enough to, you know, really, really go after and change their core values, I say, I say, go for it. We do not endorse this as a strategy for all people at all times. It works in some circumstances, <laughs> but but it, it should not be taken as a a. a as a wise strategy for all people. Yes, it should. Yes, it should. This is everyone should do this. If you think they're cute, change them. Because that always works. And now we got, yeah, just now that's, uh, we're, we're going to be responsible for a lot of pain in the future. Um, anyway, this has been really fun. Thank you so much for everyone joining us. Uh, Nathan, if people want to uh, get more advice from you or tell you how you're wrong, uh, where can they go? Um, they can go to, well, if they want to get in touch with us and find out more about the Overthinkers, please go to the overthinkersjournal.world. You can send us all the things we got wrong and right in this episode. And please join our online group, The Overthinkers, on Facebook. We want you among our ranks. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me uh, and tell me how I personally am wrong, you can go to nathanclarkson.me. You can also um, search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. And uh, find my books wherever books are sold and wherever my movies or movies are sold and, you know, whatever. That's it. That's me. What's What about you, Joseph? That's the ringing endorsement everybody wants to hear is, you know, whatever. whatever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you can find me on any of the socials as well. You can also find me at my website, josephholmstudios.com. You can also find my regular uh, culture and film and book criticism. I've got a few books that I've been reviewing now, which is kind of weird, but also cool. You can check those out uh, regularly at religionunplugged.com. And uh, yeah, so thank you everybody for joining us today. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm-hmm.